And before we start, I need a ride home after today because one of my daughters is kind of getting sick and so my wife's taking her home. So be thinking about that. Okay, cover. I'm good. My name is Tom. I'm one of the elders here, even though I'm not really that old. Um, and, and I get to bring the truth of God's word, hopefully, to you today. And I, I just want to say I consider it a pretty heavy responsibility, but also a real privilege. And usually when I get to preach or teach, um, it's harder on me than it is on you. <laughs> Which if you've ever taught or preached or anything, you probably can, can bear witness with that. So, um, but a, the elders, Kenny and Vince and Zach, when they asked me to preach today, I, they, I asked them, what do you want me to preach about? And they said, we want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit. We're kind of in between um, series, if you will. We're going to be doing a series through the book of John. And we're kind of in between that, heading into the Easter holiday. And so we're taking basically four weeks to preach what we think and believe the Holy Spirit's putting on our heart. And so when they asked me to preach, they said, just pray about it and ask God to to tell you what you need to preach about. And so that's what I'm preaching about. Um, A few months ago, actually October, I think, when we merged into New City Church just before we did, all of all of us, all the elders took a, a small retreat over a weekend. And we wanted to kind of get away and really just spend some time praying about about New City, about this merge, about how we wanted to lead and where we wanted to go and what God's heart was for, for this family. And, uh, and we, we spent quite a bit of time. I didn't really, but... Zach and Vince spent a lot of time, and probably Kenny, putting together like an agenda and planning the weekend, you know, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. we're doing this, and from 8 a.m. to 9 we're doing this. And we had this all set up before we left. And one of the things that um, that we, we tried to do before we left, we called it a brain dump. And Kenny, I know you were on time with your brain dump like I was. Um, it's basically everything you could think of write down on paper for this retreat that we could that, that you were concerned about for the new uh, church and, and that you wanted to kind of work through on the retreat. And the first day we got together, we kind of kicked it off. It, we, we, we got together that uh, like on a Friday afternoon and we went to this pretty cool resort down in Pacific Beach. And we all just sat out by the fire pit and we, we got our brain dump and we kind of merged it into one document. So each of us would say, oh, I'm thinking about children's ministry and how are we going to lead that? Or I'm thinking about, the, you know, who's going to lead worship and music and or how are we going to handle tithes and offerings and, and giving to the poor? And so all the things you could think a church would would deal with, we kind of got sorted out in the brain dump. And then we consolidated that. And that night, we kind of 
sat around this fire pit at the resort. And as we sat there, we each kind of realized that God was kind of whispering to us. In all of our plans and thoughts going into the weekend, we, we, had, we each had the sense that God was saying, just wait. Just wait. Wait on me. And over the course of the next few days as we went into this retreat, God really began to write on our hearts for this community the idea of waiting on Him. He really gave us kind of two things. The first one was the idea of being healthy. You know, the, a healthy body. Uh, really leading this community in, in health, in, in spiritual health. No matter what any of us could dream up about where we were headed or what we wanted to become, we just kept landing on this place where God was saying, wait a minute, I just want you to be healthy. Spiritually healthy. And the other thing was the way to be healthy is just to wait on me. We want you to listen. I want you to listen to my Holy Spirit and leading you. No matter what you do in this pursuit of becoming healthy and growing into a healthy body, wait for the Holy Spirit. And since then, we've actually really been intentionally trying to do that in spite of ourselves. When we get together, we spend time waiting and praying and asking God what He wants to do. We have agendas and plans, but they're subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we meet with gospel community leaders or anything else we do, our hearts are to wait on God's Spirit. Today, I feel like I'm really responsible to call you guys to join us in that. I think we've tried to communicate that a little bit. But when I prayed about this week, preaching and talking to you, I, I, I really felt like God was saying, I want to call the people here at New City Church to come and wait on me. The Holy Spirit is critical to the health of this church. He's critical to the life of this church and He's critical to the lives and the health of every person here. So join me as I pray for our time this morning. Father, I thank You that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, of Your Spirit, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I pray... Holy Spirit, that you would be here, that you would guide this time, that you would open hearts to hear what you have to say. God, I pray that none of the words I say would get in the way of your message. I pray that we would be changed by your word today. That we would be motivated, convicted, and moved by your Spirit, by you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. For 2,000 plus years, the life of the church 
has been dictated and led by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing any one man or woman has done outside of the Holy Spirit that could claim responsibility or credit. Here at New City, we've talked about the idea of, or the vision, or we've got some values of, of our identity in Christ. And we often talk about how we're formed by God's story, we're story formed. We talk about how we're family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ who love each other and demonstrate our Father's love and what our dad is like, our dad in heaven. We talk about being servants, giving of our time and our resources to, to find and meet the needs of our city and of one another. And we talk about being missionaries, being sent to proclaim in word and in deed really the greatest news the world could ever know. The love of our Father. And today, I want to kind of look at those identities and remind you guys and remind myself that all of that depends on the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3. This is uh, just before Jesus was taken up, ascended into heaven, after his resurrection, after he conquered death by the power of the Holy Spirit and was taken up to be at the right hand of God. He was, sitting, he was, he was there with his disciples and all of the people that were that core group, that early group of, of believers. And he said these things. He, 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 this is what the scripture says. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So over the course of 40 days, Jesus was with them, showing them, proving to them, I'm alive. These things have happened. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So throughout the life of Jesus, and even after he rose from the dead, he conquered death. His final instruction was what? What did he say? We just read it. Wait. Yeah. His final instruction to the people who had been with him for his ministry was wait for the Holy Spirit. And I began to like think about that. Jesus died. Before he died, he, 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 he healed people. He raised people from the dead. He challenged 
the spiritual leaders of his day in ways that they couldn't, they couldn't come back, they couldn't argue. They, they were baffled by him. They were angered by him. He served the least of the people in society. And then he, then he took on death and, and the penalty of our sin. He was raised from the dead. And I think, why didn't he just hang around? Why didn't he stay? Why didn't he set up camp and open up a can, right? On all the wrongs of, of society at the time and all the future wrongs and all the things that were broken. Why didn't Jesus stay? Why did he leave? Why did he go to be at the right hand of the Father? I think about if I were him, I might have done it a little bit differently. I think I would have set up my kingdom. And really sh- just taken the time to show people what, what I was all about, what my father was all about. But he didn't. You see, he knew that the Holy Spirit was going to be the power to usher in God's kingdom. And as we look at these identities that, that we've been given because of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, I want you guys to see that all of it is, is led by God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit forms God's story and forms our story. How many of you remember the story of God? How many of you have gone through and and looked at the overall story of God? The Bible. In Genesis 1, verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God, by His Word, through His Spirit, created all things and began history or began His story. And initially, man and woman, Eve, Adam and Eve, were created as family, right? They were created, we were created, they were created in the image of God. They were created in relationship with Him. Their story started as family. And God even, the Bible even said God walked with them in the cool of the day. And there was right standing before God. And that's how the story was formed to begin with. But it didn't last, did it? What happened? You guys are quiet today. What happened? Yeah. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They disobeyed His commands. They were living in perfect harmony and perfect relationship with God. And they believed a lie. Crazy. They believed a lie that 
If you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. It's like a Jedi mind trick, kind of. They're already (laughs) created in the image of God. And the enemy, the serpent, Satan, comes and says, If you believe this, if you eat of this fruit, if you believe me, you'll be like God. They were already like God. And that began their separation. They became enemies of God. And all of human history have been sinful and rebellious against God since then. But since then, God's story has been this epic tale of how He would, he would restore our identity. And how in Christ Jesus we'd finally once again be in right relationship with God. And all the way through the Bible, through God's story, we see generation after generation. We see God's spirit working the details out, advancing the plot. And today we sit here. Formed by all that has taken place. Our, our stories are formed by all that has happened. And all that has happened has been ushered in by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. So even in our rebellious place, our rebellious state, our, our disobedient state, God's Spirit is the one who comes and makes us alive. Dead people don't comprehend, right? Can a dead person understand their condition? No, they're dead. Right? If we're spiritually dead, can we really understand that we're spiritually dead? We can't. God's Spirit has awakened us to the truth. Jesus isn't walking around calling people to follow him, he's not walking around performing miracles. He's not serving the poor. He's not telling people about God's kingdom. Romans 8.34 says, where, where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And what's He asking God to do? He's asking God to send His Holy Spirit to help us. He's reminding God as if God needs reminding, but reminding him of the sacrifice that he made. And he sent his spirit to be our help. So the Holy Spirit is forming our story. We're story formed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was... um, when I was younger, I, my family, I grew up in a family who was 
My dad was pretty, um, I'll say self-righteous. He was very much about going to church. We were kind of a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening church family. And I grew up with this, this yoke of, um, what would I say, kind of a burden of having to earn my salvation and earn my right standing before the before God. And and shortly after I left home out of high school, I kind of forgot about it all. I really didn't want to have anything to do with church. And I pursued a life of basically pleasure and what I thought would make me happy. And and I remember one day I, I thought I wanted to get married and uh so I was dating this girl, and she moved from where I was living in Colorado to Oklahoma. And I really wanted to get married because I thought that would make me happy. And so I followed her out to Oklahoma. I don't know why. I was blind. Have you ever been to Oklahoma? Anybody? <laughs> the people are great. That's what I always tell everybody. The people are wonderful people. <laughs> but I remember driving driving down the freeway and I forget which freeway I think it's I-35 or as Californians would say it was the 35 <laughs> I was driving down the 35 into Norman, Oklahoma and I don't know if you've, if you've been there it's, it's as far as you can see to either side it's flat and desolate am I right? And I thought, oh, I am transferring at semester. I, <laughs> I cannot stay here. We're, I'm going to talk to this girl. We're going, I'm going to get her and we're going back to Colorado where there's mountains and trees and, and beauty. <clears throat> and I get there and I get all set up and register for classes. And uh, I get a phone call. It's like, it, I remember the day. It's August 14th. And I remember the day because it was my birthday. And it's my girlfriend, and she says, hey, we need to talk. I'm not so sure about this. Um, I don't think we should date anymore. And so there I am, stuck in Oklahoma. And you guys got to understand, I, I thought I was in love. I wanted to get married. I was, I was crushed. Everything I wanted out of life was basically dissolved into nothing. And I was in a foreign land. <laughs> no, all joking aside, I, I really had hit rock bottom. And I remember sitting in my apartment. And I had this like one bedroom, not even a bedroom, it was like a studio apartment. I didn't have any furniture. I had a sleeping bag and, a, and a, like a sleeping mat. Because I was from Colorado, we don't we don't need mattresses. We we camp and backpack and stuff. And I was just sitting in there weeping, and I began to hear in my mind's eye, or in my heart, the stuff that I had listened to when I was a kid growing up in church. I began to hear the message of. The gospel. 
And all in one moment, my eyes were opened. And I was wakened from the dead. Literally, spiritually, I was wakened, awakened from the dead. And I realized the truth of the gospel. And, and in my story, the Holy Spirit, probably so, like so many of you, had to act. He had to do something. And he did. And just like me, any Christian who's alive is formed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gives us the bond of family, makes us family. Romans 8 chapter, I'm sorry, Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Ephesians 4, verse 3 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all. The Holy Spirit dwells in his people. He makes us family. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Some more passages from scripture. First and second Corinthians. The Bible is full of examples of God dwelling in His people through His Spirit. What do you think it would be like without the Holy Spirit today? What would it be like? Kenny, I don't like that color of green. Jerk. And you messed up when you were playing today. We'd be pretty critical, right? You think we would love one another? What What do you mean? There are all kinds of people groups around the world that just love and harmony and they get along and there's no war, no fighting. How many of you have brothers and sisters? Perfect harmony, right? We see genocide, masses of people being murdered. The biggest one called abortion. Deceit. How many of you trust a politician? Theft. How many of us steal every day? We're at work, we're hanging out on Facebook, stealing your time from your employer. <laughs> Greed. 
hatred, racism, murder, vanity, materialism, and on and on and on. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no chance at unity or family. We have no chance. We couldn't possibly live as family without God's Spirit. There's a story. Charles Spurgeon was uh, walking down the street one day and he saw this boy. Just this homeless boy. He's ragged and hungry. So he took him home. And he fed him and gave him some clothing. And then he kneeled down and began to pray for him. And through the prayer, several times he kept referencing God as our Father. And when the prayer was finished, the little boy said, Did you say our Father? And Spurgeon said, Yes, my boy, yours and mine. And the boy said, Then we are brothers? And Spurgeon said, Yes. And then he told the, child, the little boy about Jesus. And he, he sent him on his way and he gave him a letter to one of the local bootmakers to give him a pair of boots. And a few days later, Spurgeon was walking down the street and the boot, the, the boot dealer saw him and said, Hey, hey, the strange thing happened the other day. He said, A boy came into the shop and asked for a pair of boots, saying that his brother had sent him. And when I asked him who his brother was, he said, you were. And Charles Spurgeon said, that is right. I am his brother and maybe you are too. And if, if you like, we can share the cost of the boots. That's not our common response without the Holy Spirit. That's not our, the way we live without the Holy Spirit. We're family. We're bonded, as Ephesians said. The Holy Spirit makes us servants. And the, I think the best example is Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus exemplified this. One of my favorite part stories of him is when the disciples are, are gathering together and he, 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 gets to, he gets to wash their feet. And you could imagine these guys are in sandals and their feet are pretty, pretty nasty. My daughter wears these shoes all the time. They're little Toms. How many of you have Toms? They're like canvas shoes. But she wears them all the time. She'll be running around in the dirt and then she'll put her toms on. And she has the most rank. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, it's horrible. We're like, Megan, go take your shoes off. you got to wash it. We're going to throw these away. And she cries, don't throw my toms away. But these guys live life in bare feet and sandals. And Jesus takes a towel, takes his garment... Over his shoulder, he gets a basin of water and he sits down, kneels down before the feet of his disciples and he goes to wash them. And they're mortified. 
Has anybody ever had their feet washed? Other than women for pedicures. What's it like? You think it's humbling for the guy washing your feet? It's way more humbling to have your feet washed, isn't it? It's very awkward. The thing that most households back then would have their servants do for their visitors, Jesus got down on his knees and did for his disciples. And when they objected, he said, look, if you don't, allow me to wash your feet, if you don't allow me to serve you, you won't have anything to do with me. Because I came to serve, not to be served. The Holy Spirit makes us servants. In Romans, Paul says, having gifts, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us Let us use them. In Corinthians, Paul says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Galatians says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The story of a guy named Henry Dunant. Anybody know who that is? Good, I didn't say his name wrong then. (laughs) He was born to very wealthy parents in Switzerland in 1828. He was a deeply compassionate man. He devoted considerable time in assisting and encouraging young people, especially the poor. When he was 18, he founded a young men's Christian union. And eventually... He journeyed to Italy to have an audience with Emperor Napoleon III, who was really busy driving Austrians out of northern Italy. After arriving there, a horrendous battle, after arriving after a horrendous battle, Henry could not believe what he saw. There were like 40,000 men wounded, dying, and dead, and they were scattered over a bloody terrain for rats and vultures to consume. Forgetting his personal agenda, the young men's organization, he pitched in. He did whatever he could to help the overworked doctors. He wrote and spoke on the horrors of war. And at last, the Geneva Convention of 1864 convened to consider common problems. 22 nations participated and signed accords acknowledging the neutrality of medical personnel in time of hostility. They chose a red cross on a white field for their banner. And their symbol. Henry was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led to compassion by the Holy Spirit. He was a Christian man. We don't serve one another outside of the Holy Spirit. Not truthfully. And finally, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit being the agent that sends us on mission. We've talked about being story formed, being family, being servants. We're missionaries. 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The very first missionaries were sent with the promise of the Holy Spirit to be their source of power and In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent his disciples out with the power of the Holy Spirit. Before they did anything, the leaders of the early church relied on the Holy Spirit. I want to read this letter, kind of wrap up. It's a letter to Paul. Paul, the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament. It's a letter from a modern day missions organization to Paul. Dear Paul, We recently received an application from you for service under our board. It is our policy to be as frank and open-minded as possible with all of our applicants. We have made an exhaustive survey of your case. To be plain, we are surprised that you have been able to pass as a bona fide missionary. We are told that you are afflicted with a severe eye trouble. This is certain to be an insuperable handicap to an effective ministry. We require 2020 vision. Do you think it seemly for a missionary to do part-time secular work? We heard that you were making tents on the side. In a letter to the church at Philippi, you admitted that they were the only church supporting you. We wonder why. Is it true that you have a jail record? Certain brethren report that you did two years time at Caesarea and were imprisoned at Rome. You made so much trouble for the businessmen at Ephesus that they refer to you as the man who turned the world upside down. Sensationalism has no place in missions. We also deplore the lurid over-the-wall episode at Damascus. We are appalled at your obvious lack of conciliatory behavior. Diplomatic men are not stoned and dragged out of the city gate or assaulted by furious mobs. Have you ever suspected... That, a gentler words might, that gentler words might gain you more friends? In one of your letters, you refer to yourself as Paul the Aged. Our new mission policies do not anticipate a, sur- a surplus of elderly recipients. We understand, too, that you are given to fantasies and dreams. At Troas, you saw a man of Macedonia. And at an, another time, you were caught up into the third heaven and even claimed that the Lord stood by you. We reckon that more realistic and practical minds are needed in the task of world evangelism. You have written many letters to churches where you have formerly been a pastor. In one of these letters, you accused a church member of living with his father's wife, and you caused the whole church to feel badly, and the poor fellow was expelled. Your ministry has been far too flightily to be successful. First Asia Minor, then Macedonia, then Greece, then Italy. 
And now you are talking about a wild goose chase to Spain. Concentration is more important than dissipation of one's powers. You cannot win the whole world by yourself. You are just one little Paul. In a recent sermon, you said, God forbid that I should glory in anything save the cross of Christ. It seems to us that you also ought to glory in our heritage, our denominational programs, and the unified budget. Your sermons are much too long for the time. At one place, you talked until after midnight, and a young man was so sleepy he fell out of the window and broke his neck. Nobody is saved after the first 20 minutes. Stand up, speak up, and shut up is our advice. (laughs) Dr. Luke reports that you are a thin little man, bald, frequently sick, and always so agitated over your churches that you sleep very poorly. He reports that you pad around the house praying half the night. A healthy mind in a robust body is our ideal for all applicants. A good night's sleep will give you zest and zip so that you wake up full of zing. You wrote recently to Timothy that you had fought a good fight. Fighting is hardly a recommendation for a missionary. No fight is a good fight. Jesus came not to bring a sword but peace. You boast that I fought with wild beasts of Ephesus. What on earth do you mean? It hurts me to tell you this, Brother Paul, but in all of the 25 years of my experience, I've never met a man so opposite to the requirements of our foreign missions board. If we accepted you, we would break every rule of modern missionary practice. It's obviously meant to be poking fun at the idea of modern day missions and thought but if you look at the stories and the writings of Paul it's crazy talk isn't it all the things he's gone through you guys are were laughing I heard some of you laughing how could he possibly be a missionary without the Holy Spirit What does it really look like to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in missions? What does it look like? I think sometimes we we make plans and set up structures with good intentions only to forget to yield to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says for all, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. As we think about living life in community, I want to encourage you guys that we got to start by waiting for the Holy Spirit to lead us. Living by God's Spirit is freedom. 
Living by His Spirit is how we were created to live. God hinged everything on the power of His Spirit. So why would we do anything differently? How can we do anything without His Spirit? The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit has been given to each of you to help you live this life of freedom and help you demonstrate the love of a father to a broken city and broken neighbors and broken co-workers. And his love was really demonstrated probably most beautifully at the cross. I'm going to ask Kenny and the the guys and gals in the band to come back up. We're going to take communion together. And as we do, I just want you to get together with the people in your community. And I want you to get the bread and the wine. Get together. And take a few minutes just to wait. Just to wait together in silence and listen. Listen to what God might be telling you today as part of your family. The family you call your gospel community. If If you're here with friends or if you're visiting, just nudge your way into one of those groups. We're family, right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be restored to you, so that we could be filled with your spirit. And I pray today that as we take communion and remember Jesus' body broken for us and his blood poured out for us, that we would that we would surrender to your your lead, Holy Spirit. I pray that as we go forward today with life. Just that we would spend a lot less time planning what we think we want to do. Spend a lot more time waiting for you to show us what to do. How to live. Where to eat. Where to hang out. Who to talk to. Open our eyes to see what you're doing, Holy Spirit, so that we could join in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.